0: Good morning, church. I can still say that it's 1149. Uh, thank you so much, Kathy, for planning such a wonderful worship service. Appreciate all those leading the music and special music and drama and prayer and everything. Isn't it great to see our young people involved? It's, um, one of the things I love is when, I, uh, when I'm with other pastors and so forth, does this just die down or is it? When things don't turn out, if you're at the retreat, right. uh, um, yes, when, I, when I'm with other, some of my colleagues, they're like, we hear your, your church is like a real family church. I go, it is. You know, we have young, middle, old, all of that, and we're all together, and uh, I'm a blessed pastor. Um, blessed to celebrate mothers this weekend. And uh, we have an insert in your bulletin, kind of a lavender color. And I just want to take the time to read it. Um, We understand that the journey of motherhood is expressed in all kinds of different ways and seasons. And I just want to read this in honor of all of the mothers. A message on Mother's Day. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, We mourn with you. To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you. To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility, fraught with pokes, prods, tears, and disappointment, we walk with you. Forgive us when we say foolish things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms, mentor moms, and spiritual moms, we need you. To those who have warm and close relationships with your children, we celebrate with you. To those who have disappointment, heartache, distance with your children, we sit with you. To those who lost their mothers this year, we grieve with you. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. To those who experienced abuse at the hands of your own mother, We acknowledge your experience. For those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who have aborted children, we remember them and you on this day. To those who are single and long to be married and mothering your own children, we validate your womanhood, though life has not turned out the way you long for it to be. To those who envision lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not to be, we grieve with you. To those who will have emptier your nests in the upcoming year, we grieve and rejoice with you. <laughs> to those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness and remember how you will forever hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you, all of you. Mother's is not for the faint of heart, and we have real warriors in our midst. We celebrate you. We love you, mothers, and uh, as you leave today, there's a bouquet of red roses in the foyer. We invite you to take one with you today uh, as a mother and um, celebrate that God created you in such a special way. Today, I um, had not planned this this way, but I always love when God has a little joke up his sleeve i had been wanting to do a series on the book of Ruth for a while and I was putting it in the calendar and, and it kept getting pushed back and pushed back for certain reasons and um, it ended up starting today and I uh, wasn't planning on that but I love when God kind of says I'm up to something <laughs> and so today we are going to look at a special relationship that a, uh, a mother had with her daughter-in-law as we begin it's a four-part series and uh, I haven't asked you this yet or said this but let's see how you're showing God is good. And all the time? And see, I have to do that because some of you get nervous when I don't say that yet. You know, is he going to say it? Is he going to say it? Um, But I bring this up especially today because today we're going to begin a journey in the book of Ruth dealing with the providence of God and living in the providence of God. And so I really want you to wrestle with that a little bit. How do you really feel about, about that? Is God good all the time? There may be some days you think maybe not so much depending on what your life experience is on that given day. But that's where the faith comes in too, isn't it? In spite of my circumstances, God is good, and I know he's up to something. Not necessarily something that, that I can conceive of in my own mind, and my own plans, and in my own life schemes and strategies. But God is up to something because God is good all the time. We're going to begin this journey living in the providence of God, studying the book of Ruth. There'll be four parts. We'll take one chapter at a time since there's only four chapters in the book of Ruth. But in looking at God's providence, at God's ability to care for our well-being, to be good, to provide, Augustine said, trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. We live in times that uh, are pretty scary at times. I like what my daughter sent to me or sent to the family. It said this, The news is basically someone saying, Good evening. And then giving you a list of reasons why it's not a good evening. <laughs> Isn't that true? That's why I personally don't like to watch the news at night. It's uh, just a whole bunch of problems that are going on. It's challenging. It's challenging sometimes to live this life. Say, God, are you really good? Are you really who we believe you to be? Or maybe you started this Christian life and and as you accepted Jesus, you began to believe, okay, everything's gonna be good and the whole purpose of this life is to get safely from being born to when Jesus comes again or to the grave but to have no problems in this whole life. Well, welcome to life, right? Life is life. (laughs) And life happens. And rough things happen, and terrible things happen. Maybe you found out, maybe I'm in the wrong race. Like this 12-year-old in New York. She um, was in Rochester, New York, just last month. She was going to run a 5K, 3.1 miles. And She took off for the race, and as she was running through the race, she began to realize she didn't know anybody around her. All the friends that she was with doing the race were no longer around her anymore, and she just kept running, she just kept running, she kept running. Uh, The Times said her mother became worried when her daughter wasn't among the finishers of the 5K. But they were reunited when Rodriguez finished the half marathon. (laughs) She had taken off all plans to do the 5K, 3.1 miles. And man, I've I've run three miles and thought they were never going to end. But she was running and realizing this is never going to end and finished 13.1 miles. Wow, 12-year-old. Maybe some of you are here today because you entered this race with Jesus and you were expecting the 5K, but you found yourself in the half marathon. You're like, is this going to end? Is this part of the season of life ever going to get better? That's why the Bible encourages us to persevere, encourages us to have endurance, and to run the race in the grace of God. I like the words of Abraham Lincoln when he said, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day. Completely feeling insufficient for the task at hand, for the day that you are living and falling to our knees, counting fully on the mercy and the providence and the goodness of God. And so we come to the book of Ruth. The book of Ruth, chapter 1, verse 1, gives us our setting. It says, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. If you know much about the judges, some of us growing up, you know, we heard the stories of Gideon and Samson and Jephthah and Deborah and so forth. And if you read the book of Judges, it's a rough book people have entered into the promised land and they're dealing with the Canaanites and there's some horrible wars and not so good judges and it's a a messy messy book and the book ends with these words and I'll just read them to you it's the very last verse of the book of Judges in those days Israel had no king everyone did what? what was right in their own eyes as the NIV says, everyone did as they saw fit. How'd you like to live in that society? Pretty scary. Pretty unruly. All kinds of horrible things going on. That was the time here that Ruth is living in. Some people think that uh, Samuel wrote this book. Jewish tradition says Samuel wrote this book, but we're not really sure. We do believe it was written during the time of the monarchy, whether David or or Solomon. Um, There's an act uh, towards the end of the book that gives us reason to believe that, and we'll get to that when we get into chapter four. Um, But needless to say, the author of this book, the Holy Spirit, inspired to write to, to encourage our faith in the providence of God through the life of Ruth and Naomi. But in those days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem, or some of your translations may say, so a certain man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. So here, here the author is bringing us down to this very microcosm. We have this unruliness and everything that's going on with the judges, and all of a sudden we come down to a simple family how it gets lived out in the daily life. The little people, if you will. The judges, now the little people. We have a little joke in our family about the little people. Um, One time I was waking Alana up to get up one morning. This is a while ago, so it wasn't just recently. And she gave me permission to share this, so thank you, Alana. So I went to wake her up one day, and obviously she was dreaming. She woke up. Dad, dad. I'm like, I'm like huh? Alana, wake up, sounding like, Dad, 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 help the little people, help the little people, help the little people. I'm like, Who are the little people? I don't know, but we need to help them. <laughs> I don't know what she's dreaming about. I don't know if she even remembers, but I needed to help the little people that day. And here we get to the little people. From judges, now we're going to talk about a man and his family, his wife, the everyday person. So a man from Bethlehem and Judah together with his wife and two sons went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephethites from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. There's a lot wrong with these few verses. There's a lot wrong. We have these Israelites... These Jews who are living in Bethlehem, which means the town of bread, the town of food. And what's going on there? A famine, a famine in the town of food. (laughs) Something's wrong. And then you have God's covenant people deciding to go to Moab where you have the worship of Baal and all the false gods and the gods of fertility you're going to leave the place you're going to leave your people and where your covenant God is worshipped and upheld and your life and you're going to go to a foreign land where they don't believe in your God they don't believe in Yahweh and they believe that in order to get get the crops to happen every year they've got to do all these shrewd acts and, and sacrifice humans and so forth to get the gods to get active to make sure that they have their food every year And so they go. They go. And as they go, verse 3 says, Now Limelech, Naomi's husband, died. And notice this phrase, And she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named, not Oprah, (laughs) but Orpah, (laughs) and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malone and Kilion also died. And what's this phrase again? And Naomi was left without her two two sons and her husband. The author is trying to make a point. Naomi was left alone in a foreign land. Her husband had died and her two sons had died and she was in a foreign land. She was left alone alone Not only was she feeling alone because she'd lost her husband, but her two sons and nobody around her who understood Yahweh, who understood the covenant God. Nobody. She was left alone, miserable with her two Moabite daughter-in-laws. Verse 6 says when Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them. She and her daughter-in-law prepared to return home from there with her two daughters-in-law. She left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness, as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. I want to pause there for a second in verse 8. She's now heard that the Lord is providing and she wants to go back home. And she says in verse 8, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord, may Yahweh, show you kindness. Kindness. As you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. That word kindness in the Hebrew is chesed. It's like the equivalent to the New Testament agape. It's that unconditional love and care, sacrificial giving and sacrifice. But I want you to notice something here. Here she's saying, may, may Yahweh, who is chesed, who is agape, show you this. As you have shown Me, Wait a minute. She's talking about a Moabite woman. Expressing the chesed of God. How is that possible? She doesn't even know Yahweh. She doesn't know this covenant God. But yet she's saying that you have shown me this same kind of kindness that God shows to us. A heathen woman outside of the covenant of God. How is that possible? Second part of verse 9, that she kissed them goodbye and they wept. How did they weep? Aloud. It wasn't. They wept aloud. Have you heard anybody weep aloud? Maybe you have wept aloud at times. Grieving loss or Tragedy. And you wept aloud. And so she's weeping aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband. And even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, look what they did again. They wept aloud again. It was great mourning here, great grief. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. I just want to pause for a minute. And I just want to say... Sometimes if you don't know what to say to somebody when they're grieving, don't say anything. It's important to grieve. It's important to experience losses. And sometimes in our uncomfortableness, we want to make everything better and make everything right. And so at the deep grieving that somebody is experiencing, we come in and we try to fix it. It invalidates the deep loss that someone is experiencing. And sometimes we just need to be with people in their loss. And be that chesed of God, that kindness that comes alongside of to be with them. Because let me tell you, most men would feel uncomfortable in this passage. You want to go into a room with three women weeping aloud? Most men are like, no, (laughs) I'm not going in there. But church, one of the things that I want to say, this is kind of a side note of what I'm wanting to say this morning, is that living in the providence of God will include grieving and loss. Learning how to live in the providence of God, that knowing that in spite of loss, in spite of great tragedy, we still live in the providence of God because God is always working The God of chesed, the God of agape love is always working and he will find a way to put things back to right and eventually to make all things new again. And he won't stop until all things are made new again. We just have a hard time living in the transition at times. Because this world, there is a lot of evil, we will confess, and a lot of pain and a lot of suffering. But our God, Jesus says, our Father is always at work on the mission that he's doing in all of our circumstances. So just know that there are times when you will need to grieve. There are times when you will need to weep aloud. And that's good, and that's healthy, and that needs to happen. That's part of living in the providence of God. But in verse 14, there is a, a transition At this they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye. And then there's my favorite word in scripture. But Ruth clung to her. Something happened here. There's a change. See, now if you forgot why I love this word so much, in the Bible, the word but means before that word, here's the situation, here's the circumstances. This is everything that's going on. This is everything that's going wrong. And then after but, there is God is up to this. God is now doing this. God is up to something. So here we see, Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. This Moabite woman was clinging to her and was going to be faithful to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. There it is again. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. And then some of these words that some of you may know. Wonderful words in scripture. Where you go... I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. Those are powerful words. Those are words of chesed. Those are words of the kindness of God. Do you hear those words? God says those words to us. You can see it in the life of Jesus. His faithfulness to you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Where your, your people will be my people, right? Where you die, I will die. Jesus shows us that faithfulness, that chesed of God. That no matter where the depths of our sins take us, His grace will find us there. His has said, his faithfulness, his love, and his kindness will go there and find us. His faithfulness. In this these words that Ruth says, where you stay, I will stay. It's interesting because the Hebrew word for stay or lodger that's used is used in a negative sense. It's used in a way in which there's like murmuring and and unhappiness. And so Ruth isn't saying, I'm going to go there and be unhappy. She says, I know that I'm going to go to your I'm going to go back to where your people are. I'm going to go as a Moabite woman and I'm going to go and there's going to be murmurings and people aren't going to like me because I don't worship your God yet. And they're going to say, you brought this heathen woman into our society, into our town, into our homes. And she goes, even with all the complaints that are going to happen, I will be faithful. And I will take it, because I will be faithful to you, Naomi. In verse 18, when Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. So the two women went out until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, or as some translations say, the gossips exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? And I would just put in there, and who is that heathen woman with her? And why is she bringing her here? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara. Don't call me pleasant. Call me bitter. Because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. It's really hard when we are going through pain and suffering to not blame God. And to not say, why are you doing this to me? And yet what Naomi didn't realize, and we often don't realize in our own lives, is that God is up to something, and we don't know what that is until down the road, and then we go, ah, I see his hand, I see what he was doing. You see, because I would argue this morning that Naomi did not return empty. But she returned full. What she considered to be full or empty is not what God considered to be full and empty. She was bringing Ruth back with her. Ruth, someone who said these words, remember? I just read them earlier. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you from me. If you had someone like that in your life, would you say you're empty or full? And yet oftentimes we look at our bank accounts and we look at the things we own and we wonder if we're empty or full. And yet, Naomi was coming back. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Do you not see Ruth right next to you, Naomi? God doing this miraculous work of working through a Moabite woman. Someone whose culture knows nothing about Yahweh, nothing about that covenant-keeping God. But God was working through this, quote-unquote, heathen woman outside of the the box or the reign of God in our ideas and in our boxes working through this woman to know the chesed of God and to come and to minister to someone within the covenant keeping people. Church, I don't know everything you're going through. I know what some of you are going through. But I do know, I do know your God is faithful. And I do know that when you think you're empty, God is is making you fool and I do know that there are ways that you can't even think of or imagine right now in your circumstances that God is already busy about doing and so when you don't see light at the end of the tunnel when you don't feel hope and you feel despair take courage and know that God hasn't stopped working And he's doing something in your life and the lives of the people around you. And it may even be through your enemies. It may be through people that don't agree with you at all in most of the things that you believe. Because that's what's happening right here. God is always up to something. I was blessed by this poem... I wish I could tell you the full name but it just says Elizabeth at the end. I found it in David Atkinson's book that he wrote on the message of Ruth. It says, the enshrouding blackness engulfs my being, alone, afraid. My mind a whirlpool ever inwards towards an eternity of intolerable pain. I used to reach out a hand into the black unknown in hope. But my soul was torn from me and I hoped no more. It was like a pit, unfathomable depth, torturous groveling, my tears the only sound in the impenetrable darkness. I remember that pit and the fear and the hopelessness of an eternal agony of mind and the soulless wandering in uncharted desert. Now I find myself at this oasis. This unlooked-for harbor, this refuge. I did not deserve that gracious act to pluck me from that all-powerful deep. I had no hope, but turning back along the path I came, I see a gracious hand and a loving smile. I see a guiding light and feel a protecting wing. Nestling in your warmth, my cold heart has thawed. The blackness of my soul has blossomed into a million blooms. My tears have turned to jewels and my bitterness to honey but I remember the pit keep me O Lord safe in the refuge of your wings no matter the pit we may find ourselves in the pit we have been in the pit we might be in in this moment the pit that may come God is there and God will be there Trusting the providence of God reminds me that my weeping may linger for the night, but joy comes with the morning. Reminds me that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Trusting in the providence of God reminds me that his thoughts are not my thoughts, nor are my ways his ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are his ways higher than my ways, and his thoughts higher than my thoughts. It also reminds me that yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for he is with me. And thanks be to God that Jesus said, the things that are impossible with people are possible with God. David Atkinson, once again, wrote himself in this book. Providence says that God is there. God cares, God rules, and God provides. Faith in such a God undergirds every chapter of Ruth. And I would add, undergirds every chapter of our lives as well. Let's pray. Jesus, life is hard. Life is good. But it is challenging and very difficult at times. It's extremely painful at times. And Lord, there are times some of us have lived and some living now and some we will live in the future. It will be extremely difficult. We will weep aloud. Jesus, we thank you that that you are always working. That even when we can't find a solution, we see no possible solution in sight, you are always working. That is why we can rest. We can rest in your love, in your chesed, your kindness. Because your grace is always sufficient, Lord. Lord, I pray also that Some of us need some Ruths in our lives. People that would just come alongside and express your kindness and your faithfulness to us. Lord, I pray for some of those here today that you're inviting to be Ruths in the lives of others. To take that step and come alongside people. But Jesus, most of all, we thank you that we can trust your goodness and that even in the places we can't even imagine where your goodness would come from, it is there. Your grace goes beyond our limitations and our fears. So Jesus, come alongside and give us the gift of faith to trust you, to trust you no matter what. To Trust your goodness and your faithfulness. Would you take a moment just to have some silent prayer right now and just to be still and know that he is God. Ruth and Naomi had no idea that their catastrophe, their loss and their life would be part of bringing Jesus Christ to this earth. When you look at Matthew chapter 1, you look at the genealogy of Jesus, you'll find Ruth's name right in there. A Moabite woman. Know as we leave this week, as you leave this week, your Monday, your Tuesday, your day-to-day life is not just an end in itself. Your very life and story is part of salvation history and a part of what God is doing through your life and your relationships to move us to Jesus coming again and making all things new again. God bless you.